I've been thinking for some time about a uh, a certain phrase, and I'll give you a little background on it. I'm going to present this to you this morning as a topic, and two words only, two words, and two words are thought steps. Thought steps. I don't know if I've referenced this before. I may have, but I haven't really gone into it the way I'd like to do this morning for a few moments. And I'd like to look at this with you, of course, from a biblical framework or background. Let me give you a little background without being overly specific. And quite some time, uh, quite some time ago, I had a conversation with someone who was anticipating being involved in a courtroom procedure. And I said... Um, what do you hope to achieve? And they did, talked about what they would like to see as the outcome. And I said, the outcome will be determined by a judge. And if you want the judge to arrive at a certain kind of opinion, if you'd like the judge to arrive at an opinion and give a certain decision at the end of all of this, then what you'll need to do is you'll need to present to the judge a basis for arriving at that decision. In, in other words, you wanted to arrive at a certain place in his mind, you'll have to make that easy by providing a path for him. And the way you provide the path for him is to provide evidence in a logical, sequential way that he can walk along that step by step by step in his own mind, in his thinking, and when he arrives at the end and his resolution, he sees that, those steps that you have given him as um, superior to any alternative steps. If you can do that on the basis of evidence, then the judge will likely give the kind of decision that you hope for. But remember that somebody else will be trying to persuade the judge based on different thought steps. So I thought, well, how can I explain this to him and to the individual I was talking to, and I said, how can I illustrate this? And so I looked for a picture, and I found a picture, and Pat will put the picture up on the screen for us. This is the picture. As you can see, the idea of the picture and these stones, these stones represent two different possible paths. You notice that back here at the very beginning, there's one path. And ostensibly, anybody will be walking will be walking on those flat stones. And basically, the stones themselves are an invitation for your steps. So that as you progress, you'll put your feet down on the stones one after the other. And so, but you'll come to this point here, and obviously there is a decision to be made. And whether you go to the right hand or whether you go to the left will be will be determined by your thinking, your thoughts. And so if you think, if your thoughts are these thoughts on the right, then you will move this direction. But if your thoughts are here, you'll move in this direction. Now, this is not something that's strange to us because we encounter this all the time. We encounter this all the time. Now, here's what sometimes happens. Sometimes people determine the destination up ahead, where they would like to go. And so they say, I'm going to arrive in a certain destination. This is where I want to be. That's where I want to be. Where do you want to be in five years? Where do you want to be in six months? Well, I want to be here. I want to be there. I want to be in this position. 
So then what happens is that people then determine the destination and then they begin to lay down the steps themselves or they lay down the stones themselves and they walk upon them and those are the thoughts that will lead them to that destination. But they basically lay the path down themselves. And so they have the destination in mind and they determine their own steps to get to that destination. And this is logical in our society. This is the way that most people live their lives. This is where I want to be. This is what I have to do to get there. And the, this is what I have to get there is a certain way of thinking. Do you ever wonder, just to take a little bit of a side, do you ever wonder how that people of reasonable intelligence, a seemingly equivalent intelligence, can arrive at such opposing points of view? Do you marvel at when you watch the news? Without, without being specific, you all know what I'm talking about. It could be Don Cherry, and it could be the uproar over poppies. It could be everybody should be wearing a poppy. You know how Don and this thing. And how is it that Canadians would line themselves up on such opposing sides of that? They do it because of the thought steps. It's the way in which they think progressively about it. Now, some people have a certain agenda, a certain destination in their mind of what they want to achieve in society. And in order to achieve that in the society, then we have to take these steps to get there. So you'll find those people over on one side of the issue, if we want to take the poppy issue with Don Cherry, just as an example. Other people have a very different view of Canada, a very different view of our history, a different view of what is important, different view of culture and what it should be like. And they have different thought steps. So this is happening to us all the time, and so... I want to use this little diagram and Pat perhaps just leave it up for us this morning because I will refer to it as we proceed from time to time, the idea of thought steps. But I want to maybe just accentuate this before I move on. There's two possible paths. And the one path is the ultimate choice. The ultimate choice is the ultimate choice, the steps you take. Or is the ultimate choice the destination that you hope to achieve? And think about that with me. If people choose their ultimate choice is the steps, individual steps that they will take, then they will arrive at a certain destination determined by those steps. It may be the destination that they have in mind or it may be another. Other people then who determine their ultimate choice is the destination, then they, what they will do is they will tend to lay down the steps themselves that will take them to that destination. And the scripture has a great deal to say about this. And this is a very biblical concept. And this is what it means when we end up, the final, where we end up eternally will be determined by the one or the other. So I'll begin this morning in Matthew chapter 21 and read a few verses beginning at verse 28. And Jesus, this, is, uh, this passage of scripture is just before the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus. And he's in Jerusalem and he's speaking to the religious leaders. He said to them, what do you think? He said, a man had two sons. He went to the first and said, my son, go work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. 
<laughs> yet, yet later he changed his mind and went. So let me suggest to you then, this first son, father comes, go to work in my vineyard today. I don't want to. He's immediately going to the destination, okay, the end thing. I don't want to be in the vineyard. I don't want to be there today. I've got something else I want to do. I don't want to be working in the vineyard today. But then, after he says that, which is his destination, that's his preferred destination. That's the outcome. But after he says that, he goes through a process of thinking and determining steps come to him. And the steps that come to him, you know where they result in? They result in him being in the vineyard, working according to the will of his father. That's what it is. You ever marvel at the number of uh, testimonies you've heard of people say, uh, you know, the one thing I determined in my life that I would not do such and such? It could be uh, I would never marry her. I would never marry him. It could be I would never go to Africa as a missionary. One thing I would never go is to one of those holy roller churches, right? And where do they end up? <laughs> In the place that they determined they would never end up. How did that happen? It happens because there were was a there were a series there was a series of steps in their thinking that they step step by step by step that led them to the very place that they determined they would never go. But he had two sons. And he said to the other son the same thing. Go today and work in my vineyard today, son. And the son said, I will. I will, sir. I will. And his, uh, he goes to the destination in his mind. I want to do that. Yes, I will. I will, Father. I, I will do that. I want to do that. He goes immediately to the destination. But something begins to happen in him in terms of the step-by-step thinking that will lead him into the vineyard to work that day. But the steps now are different steps that he prefers and and he chooses different steps. And as he chooses these different steps now, what happens is they do not take him into the vineyard because he never works in the vineyard that day, even though he promised that he would. Obviously, he is doing something that he prefers more, like in terms of individual steps. He's following a course that he prefers to follow that is at variance with that which his father desires him to take. And so then Jesus said, which of the two did his father's will? And they said the first. And Jesus said, I assure you, tax collectors and prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God before you. See, you're saying all these things. And outwardly, you're very righteous. And you say what you want to be like. But the individual steps of your life take you in a different direction. But the prostitutes and the tax collectors who outwardly, of course, are anti-God, not even pretending to live with God's favor. But when they hear the invitation of the word of God, they begin to take certain steps, step by step by step by step, choices they make in their thinking and in their preference. Guess where they end up? They end up in the kingdom of God. He said, for John came to you in the way of righteousness. You didn't believe him. 
because you didn't believe him because you wouldn't follow the steps that he preached. And you wouldn't follow the steps that he preached because you had your own steps that you preferred. This happens all the time. I would just say this. Want to make life simple? Would you like to make really difficult things simple? Then I would say just allow this very simple construct to sink in and apply this. And you'll understand human behavior and you'll understand why people do what they do. And why even some people say that they were going, this is what I want. I want to be a Christian. I want to follow the Lord. I want this. But they do not do it. Some people are hopelessly caught up in turbulence and tumult and difficulty and day after day after day of disastrous living and you'd say, oh my goodness, get out of that mess. Here, you want some help? Let me, let me help you. Here, follow this path. I don't like that path. I don't care if you like it or not. If you would just choose these steps, just choose these steps, you will get out of this mess that you're in. But they will not choose those steps progressively. They choose steps of their own making and of their own liking, and they continue in the disaster that they're in. And so I want to present to you a want to read with you, going back to Proverbs chapter 16, or Proverbs 16. And I won't take a lot of time on this this morning. This might be, maybe this would be the short. Of course, every time I promise to be brief, something happens. <laughs> but this, I said this may be <laughs> briefest. Proverbs 16 and 1. I'll read from the Amplified Bible. It says, The plans of the mind... And orderly thinking belong to man. In other words, you have that, we have that faculty of thinking. Isn't that a wonderful thing? We can think. And along with the ability to think comes a kind of sequential, logical, reasonable, step-by-step thinking. So orderly thinking, plans of the mind, is in our purview. belongs to us. We can do that. It says, but, but, this is one thing that I just have to say to you that this is such an amazing presentation to us from the Proverbs is that God is so close to us all the time. So I think sometimes we don't realize that. We think, we think sometimes that he is far off. Let me read something to you. I think I have this on my phone. Let me read this to you. Paul is on Mars Hill, and he's speaking to the philosophers there. And he says, he, he says, you know how he said the the, the unknown God. Uh, this is the the God that I've come to talk to you about. And then he said, um, neither is worship with men's hands, as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. Let me interrupt myself. I think it was July the 17th, 1987. Did I say 17th? It was the 18th. July the 18th, 1987, Pat was out west. Her father had passed away. And I was um, 
very seriously contemplating several things and so on for my uh, direction. I was basically considering the paths or the steps that my feet would take going forward. And I had a very wonderful visitation on that day. And it began when I was sitting in my car out by Bernd Gilbertson Bridge on that little area that's set aside where the plaque is. I was sitting in my car parked there in the early in the morning and I began this wonderful visitation. Then later on I left there and I came back here to this place and I sat out at the front porch. I sat out there. You sometimes wonder, why, am, why, why does Dave sit out there? I, I kind of like sitting out there. It has special history for me. Then the scriptures began to open up in a very special way while I was sitting out there on that day. And one of the things that came to me was this, and I'll just say it to you, where the Lord is closer to us than our hands or our feet. Truly, I said, he is closer to us than hands or feet. And he is. Now, it was as if on that day there was a special opening where I could see and sense that in a very real way. But let me say this. It doesn't matter whether we have a special visitation or not on that subject. That is the truth. It was true then, but it's true right now. And it's true in your experience, and it'll be true in your experience at every moment this coming week. And he said, He's made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation that they should seek the Lord. The Lord has determined that they should seek the Lord. Lord, what steps should I, te- should I take? What steps should my feet take? I know where I want to be. I know what I want to do. I have my own preferences. I have my own way of thinking. I even think this way about all these different subjects. But Lord, what steps would you have my feet take? And he'll lay down step by step by step what is right, what is appropriate. You step here, then you step there, then you step over here. How does he do that? Well, we're going to read that in a moment. But as we do that and as we obey and follow step by step by step, we will end up in the place that his will determines that we should be. And it may be the place that we had envisioned or it may not be. See, a lot of times we have an idea and it's a correct idea of what the will of the Lord is for us. But we try to determine the steps we should take to get there. And we don't get there that way. So he said to them, he said that they should seek the Lord if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. He's not far. See, you seek the Lord if happily you might find him. But Paul says, but remember, he's not far from you. He said, um, for in him we live and we move and we have our being, as certain also of your own poets have said. And that was the verse that, that was the reality that came to me that day. And so in Proverbs, the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man, but from the Lord comes the wise answer of the tongue. This is, a, this is an interaction that's occurring here between the human being and the Lord. 
Then it says, All the ways of a man are pure in his own eyes. But the Lord weighs the spirits, the thoughts, and the intents of the heart. Then it is in verse 3 of Proverbs 16 that from the Amplified Bible does a good job of opening this up for us. This is the key. This is the key to the successful life, the Christian life, walking in the Spirit, achieving and reaching and arriving at the destinations in life and the waypoints that the Lord has set out for us to arrive at. This is the key. Always is the key. So we all have our own thinking, ways of thinking, and all this kind of thing. But they need to be surrendered all the time. We need to surrender our way of thinking. He doesn't take our way of thinking away from us. We have. It says, the plans of the mind and orderly thinking belong to man. And they always will. But it says in verse 3, roll your works upon the Lord. Commit and trust them wholly, that means entirely, to him. And as you do that, then he will engage you in a miraculous way. It says he will cause your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And that's why this person goes off to the right and not to the left. Because the Lord working with him or her is causing their thoughts to become agreeable to the Lord's will. And as the thoughts progressively become agreeable to the Lord's will, guess what happens is their feet take thought steps. Thought steps. Why not this one? Because that's not agreeable to the Lord's will. How do you know that? He will cause that to happen as you roll all your works over onto Him. Don't roll your works. That's dependency. It means, okay, this is what I think. This is what I see happening. This is what my view is. This is what we hope to, where we hope to be and what we hope to achieve. Lord, now I roll this all over onto you. And I'm dependent entirely on you for all of this. Lord, lead and guide. I know how you will lead and guide because your word tells me as I've just done this, rolled everything over onto you, that you're going to cause my thoughts to become agreeable to your will. It says, and so shall your plans be established and succeed. That's it. And that's not complicated. It's always been true. It's especially true now. And the lack of this accounts for the division in our world. Division among families. Division even among churches. is caused by this. Because as oil and water will not mix, the natural and the spiritual will not mix and mingle. And the one will go off to the left every time while the other goes off to the right. And the destinations are different. In Psalm 37 and verse 23, it says the steps, I know Ruth is thinking about this one already, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. So the Lord orders the steps of the good man. See, the Lord orders them. But how? How does he do that? See, it's not just that we sit back and wait for... He causes our thoughts to become agreeable to his will. 
Oh, when does he do that? When we roll everything over onto him in absolute dependence on him and not in ourselves. So we're an automaton then. We have no self-will. No, not at all. Because it says the plans and orderly thinking belong to man. And the man releases that even though he has it, he releases it. It may even be that his sense of where he ought to be is right. And the Lord has given it to him. But how to get there is yet to be determined moment by moment. And he needs the Lord to cause his thoughts to become agreeable to the will of the Lord. Then he follows his thoughts. So it says again, the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord and the Lord delights in his way. And so as the good man takes these steps that the Lord has ordered, thought steps, then the Lord is delighting, rejoicing in his way. Right? Isn't that wonderful? That's what it is. The Lord is delighting in his way. Have you considered my servant? You know, I I delight. I'm delighting in my servant. I've ordered his steps. And watch him. He's taking the steps that I have ordered. I ordered them because he rolled all of his works over onto me. It's beautiful. In Proverbs 16 and 9, just a few verses further on, it says, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Say, well, I don't have to worry. The Lord directs my steps. But the Lord directs the steps when all the works are rolled over onto him. That's when he directs the steps. Anybody have any decisions to make? Anybody have any questions that need answers? Anybody wrestling with a position on anything at all? The answer biblically is roll it over. It said, well, I just have to stop thinking. No, the Bible doesn't say stop thinking about it. It says that that's in your purview to think about it. Think about it. Go ahead and think about it. But while you're thinking about it, and after you've thought about it, roll all your works, plans, agendas, steps, ways of getting there, roll it all over onto him. And he has promised that then he is going to do something and he is going to cause and engage you. And how does he do that? Because he's so close. He's closer than your hands and feet all the time. Wow. He's closer than your hands and feet all the time. Now the, con- the converse of, or the, the opposite of this is found in Proverbs 5 and 5 which is talking about a strange woman and how enticing the strange woman is to the young man. And it says, without regard to how enticing this may be, it says her feet go down to death and her steps take hold on hell. That's it. So there are steps In John Bunyan's language, there are steps here that take one to the celestial city. And there are steps here that take one to hell. And it's thoughts sequentially that determine the path and the direction of the feet. It's the thoughts. 
lead person. Thought steps. Thought steps. And that's all I have to say about that. Didn't I promise that this might be the shortest? One of the shortest? Now that's all that I have to say and offer. I could write a book on this. I could write a book on this. But that's all I have to say on it right now, this morning. But I invite you now to take that up with the Lord. Take it up with the Lord, this idea and the application of it in your own life. And you'll find and, and apply it as you watch as you watch news, as you watch politics, and as you watch controversies and all the different things. And as you watch disputes over doctrine and on and on and on it goes. And see that this is the perfect application for all of those things. Ruth, what song have you selected for us? Now, now that's, uh, like that's really nice. That's, that's nice. But... It really doesn't say anything about what... It's nice. I like it. It's talking about walking in the steps of the Savior. But it doesn't say anything about how that's done. And how that's done, the biggest um, key to all of this is surrender. Surrender to the Lord. Surrendering our own way, our own views, our own preferences. Surrendering to his will. But the intimacy and the marvel is the marvel of in the communion with the, with the Lord when he begins to cause our thoughts to become agreeable to his own will. This is how we walk in the steps of the savior. Like see, see people think we walk in the steps of the Savior by trying to be good and by trying to be biblical and by trying to be scriptural. And we may not even know what biblical and scriptural is in a certain moment. See, it's, it's just missing an, missing an essential, critical point. The key to all of this. I think very often in our lives, we, we go through periods where, where we have to reject a bunch of stuff. We have to say no to a whole array of things and ways of thinking and feeling and on and on it goes. You know this and I know this. There's periods of time in our lives when we have to disagree with a whole bundle of stuff because the inclinations of the natural person is attracted to those things. And there has to come a place where we say no to those things. No, no, no and no. And this is a part of rolling our works, our works. Our works are what we say, what we do. We have to roll those things over, roll them over. It's like, is your all on the altar of sacrifice laid? That's what it's like. Is your all, does your heart, does the spirit control? Well, if the spirit controls your heart, he causes your thoughts to become agreeable to his will. And you follow those thought steps. And I like the song. I'm not disagreeing with the selection of it. I'm just saying it doesn't say this. And this needs to be said. Because it's so simple. But it's critically important to our success in our Christian lives. And we need to understand this from the depths of our being. But I'd suggest again, 
before we come to this beautiful place where the Lord causes our thoughts to become agreeable to his will, oh my, there's a lot of turbulence and a lot of difficult territory that we go through and the thinking of the mind and the, sometimes the desires of the flesh and all this kind of stuff, it just has to be rebuked. And by whom? By us. By us. By us. Say no to ourselves. you ever say no to yourself? You have to. No, this is not right. No. No, no, and no. Then, after this, is the rolling of everything. Oh, that's what that is, basically. It is prefer- preferring the way of the Lord and his will and his purposes over our own and over everything that is suggested to the natural mind. It's a repudiation of the natural way. And we roll it over and then he causes, because he's right there all the time, causes our thoughts to become harmonious to his will and we follow those thought steps. Just uh, maybe one thought before we close this morning. The importance of the temptation of the Lord Jesus in the wilderness. The importance to all of us of that event. Very strategically located in terms of his ministry. Subsequent to his baptism by John. Immediately he's led of the Holy Spirit into the wilderness. It wasn't led of the Satan into the wilderness. He was led of the Spirit into the wilderness. There had been that marvelous... I don't know exactly the right word. There had been that commingling. There had been that manifestation of the Spirit upon him. For the benefit of all of us, including John the Baptist... Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted there uh, at the conclusion of 40 days of fasting. But the one thing that I find really interesting is and how important this was for us and for our redemption. It was was something that had to occur as the last Adam to purchase back for us what the first Adam had lost. But you notice how what Jesus did in terms of the temptations, the success of temptations, is that he had to disagree with them. He disagreed with them. No, 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 no. And I think that better illustrates what I was wanting to say earlier about the key oftentimes is to say no and disagree. Because that is essential to the rolling of all of our works over onto the Lord. Sometimes it's not so much what we do in a time of great visitation or some place where we're singing the wonderful songs and we're basking in his presence, you know, rolling all our works over then. That's that's great. That's wonderful. But oftentimes it's uh, rolling. It is the times when we say no. Because the step is right there in front of us. And we disagree with this step. And we agree with this one. That's thought steps. And that's really during the time of great testing of the faith. 
then he comes in and fellowships with us in the most wonderful of ways of fellowship and then we find now I can be confident in my own thoughts oh now I can be confident and I know that he's laid this thought down for me to step on with all of my weight that's the idea of it father we thank you for we thank you for your word and the application the way in which you can open up to us and show us how to apply your word to our lives we just pray for your peace and presence of course to be manifested on each one in a very special way according to our needs and according to your purposes we know that you will direct us as we surrender and continue to surrender ourselves to you that you will direct the path our paths and the steps of our feet We thank you for it in Jesus' name.